Welcome to Annunciation with Father David. Father David is the priest at Annunciation Greek Orthodox Church in Decatur, Illinois, where every week people are connected to the ancient wisdom of Orthodox Christianity. Here is Father David. Christ is in our midst. Good morning. I want to remind everybody that after the uh, attacks in San Bernardino, there were many people in our country, particularly those in positions in journalism and media, that reacted to that attack by trying to shame those of us who pray, especially those of us who pray for victims of such tragedies. And one of the things that they tried to point out, the rhetorical question, where was God for all the people who died in San Bernardino? Well, a pointed answer to that question is that well, we as a culture have asked him to leave. Uh, the group, uh, which is called the nuns, meaning N-O-N-E-S, meaning no religious affiliation at all, now constitute the largest group of quote-unquote believers in this country. There are more nuns non-affiliated than Roman Catholics or Protestants. In 2015, uh, there was a group called the Barna Group. They're an evangelical outfit that does a lot of sociological studies about attitudes in the United States about church, about Christianity, about politics, all from an evangelical point of view. And they found out that 75% uh, of American adults uh, believe that being religiously extreme is a threat to society. 60% of American adults and 83% of skeptics say that it is extreme to follow the Great Commission of Christ to attempt to convert others to your faith. 50 to 79% think it is very or somewhat extreme to preach a religious message in a public space, to teach children that sexual relationships between people of the same sex is morally wrong, uh, to distribute religious material door to door, to pray out loud in public for a stranger, to protest government policies that are in conflict with religious beliefs are extreme. 20 to 49 percent say that it is very or somewhat extreme to pray in a special language like Greek or Romanian or Arabic that to quit a good-paying job to pursue mission work in another country is extreme. To wear special clothes, such as a cassock, is extreme. To adhere to special dietary restrictions, or fast, or refrain from food for a period of time is extreme. And six to 19% of Americans believe that Regularly donating money to a religious community, tithing, is extreme. That reading the Bible silently in a public space is extreme. 
attending church on a weekly basis is extreme and volunteering to help those in need is extreme. I mention these statistics and I mention the fact that those in the media are increasingly bold in their attacks on Christianity in order for us as Orthodox Christians who by all measure of this survey are really extreme, that we need to remember that the church in its hymnody equates the prodigal son with us, that we need to come to ourselves and realize the pigsty that we are living in. Now, I will be the first to say that the American experiment is one of the most grand and important experiments in all of human history, that the United States has done more good in this world than it has done evil, that it has made the standard of living for millions of people around the world better than it has ever been in the history of humanity. But it is forgetting the Christian foundation upon which that good was built. This is going to sound awful, but it's a pigsty. And we need to understand that the culture around us and the institutions around us think that we are extreme and think that religiously extreme people are dangerous for society. So that when we are faced with a choice between defending or choosing that pigsty or defending or choosing church, we need to remember who it is that ran out from his home in order to embrace us and clothe us and kill the fatted calf for us and to prepare a feast for us. The Father sent His only begotten Son to become one of us, to come to where we are in this pigsty, to embrace us in our entirety. And He went willingly to the cross so that a feast of the fatted calf, the body and blood of Christ, may be prepared for us so that we might come and feast at a table that offers us eternal life offers us citizenship in the eternal kingdom of heaven and offers us and declares us to be the children of God. And that the other choice, that pigsty, doesn't like us, will not run to defend us, will not rise up and embrace us and offer us anything remotely close to eternal life. We live in a country where parents are faced with the choice of, do I insist that my children attend church or be excluded from extracurricular activities because teachers and coaches are so emboldened as to say that they cannot miss practice, they cannot miss a game, or they get kicked out. We are living in a country where higher education is boldly and aggressively anti-religion, anti-Christian, 
there was a man at the University of Texas, a pastor, who was not even on campus property, but was ticketed by campus police when he was preaching in earshot of students at the University of Texas. The church, in the face of all of this, today tells us to come to ourselves. And it means in one sense to come to our senses, to become aware of the fact that, yes, we are living in a pigsty, that the culture around us is increasingly anti-Christian. But it also means to come to ourselves in an ontological sense, in a sense that is about being oneself. And the place that the church says you become yourself is here in the presence of God, worshiping God, partaking of the body and blood of Christ, allowing the Holy Spirit to move in and through you. This is where we come to ourselves. And therefore, the church is telling us that the center of our lives is not out there. It's not our jobs. It's not politics. It's not sports. It's not extracurricular activity. It's not school. To a certain extent, it's not even family. The center of our lives is here, worshiping God, taking care of this great gem that has been given to us by generation after generation after generation. That when it comes to our choices in life, we need to put this first and above all. And what you are doing today, sitting here, worshiping God, standing here, singing the hymns, is a small step in the right direction. But the church places this Sunday and tells this parable in the weeks leading up to Great Lent in order to remind us all from the nominal Orthodox Christian to the devout Orthodox monastic that we need to do more. And that Lent offers us that opportunity to make choices, more choices, to place church above all else. More services are available. Different prayers are available. All kinds of opportunities avail themselves to us. It is a challenge to every single one of us to do more. And some things that we could all do better at. There's a service every Sunday called Orthros. It begins at 9.15. It's beautiful. Most of you do not come and may never have experienced an Orthros. That's some simple thing. Come to church 45 minutes earlier than we're used to. We will be doing pre-sanctified liturgies and akathist hymns during the week, during Lent. For those of us who come for the potluck dinner after pre-sanctified liturgy, it's fantastic. We get to swap uh, recipes because the food that's brought here is excellent. The fellowship is excellent. Come. The Agathist hymn 
is a hymn in preparation for our feast, the Annunciation. It talks about our patron saint. We get to praise her and thank her and ask for her intercessions in one of the most beautiful hymns that the church has to offer. And the thing that happens when we begin to make these baby steps and make choices where being here and doing activities here becomes more and more important is that we begin to understand and see how marvelous and wonderful this all is. We begin to see glimpses of that wondrous thing that God is offering to us. And we begin to see how much this world that so hates us pales in comparison. And we begin to see how much easier life becomes when we put God first. When I was in seminary, we sat down one day and figured out that of all of the various things that we were expected to do, uh, going to church, taking care of the church, um, classwork, uh, etc., we had about 28 hours worth of work every single day. And that left no time for food, family, sleep, or work. And those of us who went to seminary had two choices. Go to church twice a day, every day, and worship God. Or use that time to go to work, to do homework, to do the work that we thought we didn't have time for. The folks who went to church every single day found the time. God gave us the time. Our valedictorian went to church every single day, twice a day. And those who chose the other path normally dropped out and gave up. So let us all take advantage of the season and choose God, choose his church, and let us build upon Lent. And don't make Lent that time of year where we do more and then go back to our old patterns, but use it as a foundation for making bigger and better things happen here in Decatur, Illinois, so that those around us stop seeing us as extreme and as dangerous, but as good, loving, and wonderful people who through our lives and the way that we see the world, communicate about the world, and live our lives, proclaim the gospel that Christ came to offer us eternal life in his kingdom. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, now and ever, and to the ages.